And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want, without want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, Who is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Here ends our gospel lesson. Please bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our salvation. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Spirit of God, fall fresh on us today. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. This morning's gospel lesson is an interesting one, and it really is very challenging to 21st century Christians. I mean, here we have Jesus coming into the synagogue, and, and what this gospel is really about is, is it's an epiphany. We, we hear this gospel this morning because it, in it, what we see, what we experience, is that the people that were in the synagogue that morning with Jesus experienced him in an incredible way. They asked questions. They were amazed by him. They felt something with him, from his preaching that changed them, that made them feel different than they felt before, that made them believe that the voice that they heard was the voice of God that changed them. And Jesus was preaching really an amazing sermon to them. And really trying to, trying to show them, to, to bring out for them who he was, what he's about, what he's doing in the world. He showed them that they were completely bound. They were paralyzed. They didn't know how to live. They didn't how, know how to deal with things in their lives that were tormenting them. And he freed them from that. He freed them. They were used to coming to um, the synagogue on the Sabbath, hearing a reading and hearing a sermon on the reading, and all they got was, on the one hand, it could mean this. On the other hand, it could mean this. There was no authority in the preaching. And yet, 
They should have expected that because when uh, Sandra this morning, when she read from Deuteronomy, Moses promised, Moses understood that the, pe the children of Israel were going to have problems and they were going to get sidetracked and there was going to be preaching and there was going to be teaching that was going to confuse them. And you know, it's an amazing thing. When you look at the history of Judaism, and you look at the Talmud and the rabbinical writings, and it's like, you know, they, they ask these really important questions. If a chicken lays an egg on a Sabbath, can you eat it or not? Did the chicken work? Well, the chicken, when she laid the egg, there was a little bit of, you know, and um, she had to force the egg out. That's work. It's, wor it's illegal to work on the Sabbath. We can't eat the egg. Or others say, no, chickens are made to lay eggs. And it's not work for them. It's a natural thing. If the chicken, um, if it, oh, my word, we have, uh, okay, just, <laughs> it's okay, Milton just had a little bit of a problem there. Um, if the chicken lays the egg, it's natural. You, uh, you know, and these are really important questions. And yet, this is what the rabbis were consumed with. This is what the theologians were consumed with, and yet people were, were grappling with huge problems in their lives. Over the history of Israel, they were grappling with the problem, why is it that we're the chosen people of God, and yet it seems we're always in bondage and captivity to some kind of a political power, that somehow the, we have the law before us and we can never really live that law out, and, and, and a sense, uh, you know, the guilt and, and everything else. And, and yet now Jesus spoke to them with absolute clarity. And he taught them what the law meant. And they were experiencing the word that Moses spoke in Deuteronomy about a teacher coming and that teacher being able to to help them to understand what God wanted from them, to help them to live a godly life, to help them to read, lead a righteous life. And righteousness means that you live a life in a right relationship, in a good relationship with God. And that's what Jesus was doing. And that's what he was teaching. And they were amazed. And they felt liberated. And they felt that something wonderful could happen. And then, and then there's this man that comes forward. You know, it's an amazing thing. This tells us something. This goes, what happens in this gospel lesson goes way beyond what happens in that synagogue that day. Because, you know, the amazing thing is that Jesus teaches us is that every time the gospel is preached, guess who is going to be there? Evil. I mean, didn't he talk about that when, when, um, when we had... Um, uh, the, this parable of the sower and he said that some people they come to the church and they're listening to the gospel and the word of God is proclaimed and it falls on hard soil that's, and, and, and that's someone that's got a hard heart and then what's, and what happens is the birds come and they take that seed away that's the evil one that comes and robs us of the gospel every time that gospel is preached Every time we're sitting in church, it's possible that the devil is going to come and take the seed away.
That's what Jesus is teaching us. And that the devil binds people. And you know, you know, a lot of people have a hard time with this. I mean, you read the commentaries and people are saying, well, I wonder, you know, I wonder really what's that, what that is all about. I mean, you know, is, is, is what was identified as being possessed by an evil spirit really what we call schizophrenia today? Or multiple personality disorder? Or some other thing? I mean, is that what we're talking about here? You know, I don't believe that, they say. I don't know what to do with this thing about evil spirits. But you know, you know, I have to tell you, how many of you saw the interview with Ted Haggard on Larry King Live on Thursday night? Anybody here? Okay, you saw, okay. You know, okay, right? That was an amazing interview. That was one of the most difficult things I've had to listen to because what it was is a man of God, one of my colleagues, a peer, was on national television in the United States with Larry King who had maybe, what, 12, 13, 14, 15 million people watching it. And a lot of them are not, you know, maybe Christian people. And yet now here comes Ted Haggard onto the, uh, on, and, and they call him, and what do they have at the bottom of the screen? They've got disgraced pastor, right? Right under his face. You got a banner that says, disgraced pastor. And then what they, what they ask, I mean, the, the, the question that Larry King, I could not repeat in this sanctuary, the questions that Larry King asked him. But what he was, he was a proponent. He was a man that was out there that advocating for the, the, the biblical definition of marriage and for living a right life. And, and he preached on that, and he was the head pastor of a huge church in, Col in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And yet that same guy that really believed in family values, that really believed in all of those things and preached mightily, ended up having a male prostitute and uh, accuse him of stuff, including smoking crack or something like that. And then there was another uh, volunteer at the church, a male, talked about some sort of lewd behavior. And this is a pastor of possibly one, and he was the president of the Evangelical Association in America with millions of members, okay? And here we have this man who's accused of all of this. And you wonder, why? How can that happen? I mean, he was on the pulpit, in the pulpit every Sunday. He met with the president. I mean, he was a man of influence. That He met with the president, he met with congressmen, he met with senators. I mean, he was, he was huge in this debate. And yet, look what happened to him. And then I said to myself, and you know what? We don't believe in the devil. We don't believe 
in evil spirits. We don't believe in any of that stuff because we're too smart for that. And yet this sort of thing happens. I believe, and that's what he talked about. He said, you know what? There was a part of me, there was a part of me that wanted to please God, that wanted to be a good Christian, that loves my wife, that wants to have a, wanted to have a great marriage. I wanted to be a perfect husband to my wife. I wanted to be an example to my children. I wanted to be an example to my church. And yet what happened is that just the opposite happened that there was a part of me, there was something in me that I could not control, that it had a hold on me, and I tried to suppress it for as long as I could, but I could not hold it. And I did things that I did not want to do. It's real. That stuff is real. And you know what the most amazing thing is? He was going back and forth with Larry King and they were back and forth and back and forth. And Larry King is a journalist and he really doesn't care about God. Or, and, it, and it was just going around and around and around. And then his wife came in. And Larry King's first question to her was this. Why did you stay with him? And she said, Larry King, for two reasons. Because number one, he is my husband of, t of 30 years and I love him. I fell in love with him and, I, and he is my husband and I'm going to stay with him through thick and thin and I forgive him. And secondly, because of my faith. No, because of the teachings of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says that I'm supposed to forgive my husband and I'm supposed to turn around, not only forgive him, but I'm, I'm to pray that God would heal him and, and I'm going to stand by him. And there we have God. There we have Jesus speaking with authority into this situation. Here is Jesus that's speaking about forgiveness, repentance, new life, transformation. And I, I just said, glory, hallelujah, you go girl. You just preach that gospel because what you do is you show when you preach that gospel, when you have that faith, when you believe in forgiving someone, that, that unleashes the power of God and you can change the situation. And he said, I'm a different man now. He said, I still have those same feelings, but God lets me deal with them. What does that sound like? Remember the Apostle Paul? And he had a thorn in his flesh. And he said, three times I went to Jesus. Three times I asked God, take this thorn and take it away from me. And that was the devil, that, 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 that God allowed the devil to be a thorn in his flesh. And what did Jesus do? Did he take it away? No, he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for in your weakness is my strength made perfect. And you know, I mean, can you see what's happening here? In the, in the very weakness of, of that pastor, God spoke into it. Forgiveness spoke into it. He said the scriptures have come alive for him in a way that they never have before. That word of God. That is Jesus liberating that man and that family from bondage to the devil. 
That's why it is so important that we forgive each other. Do you, I mean, that is like the most important thing because the whole purpose of the incarnation is for Jesus to die for our sins and, and, and to liberate us from those sins. And, and the, the second most important thing is that we liberate one another from them. And in that way, the gospel is spoken. In that way, the power of God is unleashed in the congregation. It's unleashed in the family. It's the word of God because it has authority. It has authority. And that's what this gospel lesson, it means to me. What it means is that we know that in this house, in, in, in God's house, in this sanctuary, that whenever we gather for worship, the devil's here. Whether you believe it or not, and you know what? C.S. Lewis said this. It's wonderful. C.S. Lewis said, if you, you can believe too much in the devil, and he's gonna, you're going to see him around under every rock and behind every corner, or you can believe that the devil, say, I don't believe the devil exists. Either way, the devil loves it. Because the one over here who sees the devil around every corner and gets silly about it, you know, poor witness to the, to the faith. The one who doesn't believe in the devil is an absolutely perfect victim for the devil. We have to believe that evil is here. And we have to believe the only way that evil can be driven from this place is that the gospel is proclaimed with authority. That we believe that when it's preached, it frees us and drives everything evil in us out. And what I love about Ted Haggard's wife is she said, Larry... Every one of us has something dark in us. There isn't one who doesn't. And the real mission of the church is to drive that out. The real mission of preaching and teaching and worship is to drive it out. I think we've got too smart for ourselves that we don't believe that. But it's the truth. It's what the gospel says. And so today when we come to the communion rail and we kneel for Holy Communion and we hear those words and the words of institution that this is the body which was given up for you and this is the blood which was shed for the forgiveness of your sins. That is the gospel and we, want it to, and we pray God that when that happens that you drive all the evil out of us. And that we leave here free. Amen.